film noir. Yes. And we are going to talk about Double Indemnity today. Yes. And what a classic and what a movie. Absolutely. Should we just say who we are? I'm 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 F.R. Jameson. And okay. I write thrillers, sometimes in the noir variety and sometimes of a supernatural variety, but we'll focus more on the noir variety today. Sounds good. I'm Debbie Mack. I'm author of the Sam McRae Mystery Series, the Erica Jensen Mystery Series, and other novels and short stories and screenplays, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and host of the Crime Cafe podcast, where yes. F.R. Jameson appeared at one time. Yes, so uh, here we are talking about film, and film is awesome. Uh, film noir <laughs> is particularly fun and full of twists and horrors and things that are not horror but can get horrible. Yes, full of danger. Yeah, yeah it's a close, there's, you know, like thriller, horror, mm. mystery. They all kind of blend together at some point, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> horror is kind of mysterious and mystery can be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on on the subject of double indemnity, uh, what are your thoughts on the movie? Anything? Well, first of all, to say you know for for anyone who has bizarrely tuned in without ever having seen the film, <laughs> yeah, quick, <laughs> can't imagine. My, yeah, my head plot, plot premise of double indemnity sees an insurance man named Walter Neff, who goes to a family home of the Dietrichsons to uh, sort of renew an auto insurance, I believe it is. And there he, he means to see the husband, but there he meets the wife, Phyllis Dietrichson. And there's Rep an immediate spark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's an immediate spark between the two of them until she says something along the lines about could he sell accident insurance to her husband without her husband knowing about it. You're a smart insurance man, aren't you, Mr. Neff? Well, I've been at it 11 years. Doing pretty well? Mm, it's a living. You handle just automobile insurance or all kinds? All kinds. Fire, earthquake, theft, public liability, group insurance, industrial stuff, and so on, right down the line. Accident insurance? Accident insurance? Sure, Mr. Dedrickson. Wish you tell me what's engraved on that anklet. Just my name. As for instance? Phyllis. Phyllis, I think I like that. But you're not sure. Well, I'd have to drive it around the block a couple of times. Mr. Neff, why don't you drop by tomorrow evening around 8.30? He'll be in then. Who? My husband. You were anxious to talk to him, weren't you? Yeah, I was, but uh, I'm sort of getting over the idea, if you know what I mean. He leaves, but she follows him back to his apartment, and they immediately fall in this kind of desperate passion with each other. And he decides to go with it, go for it with her. Um, and two of them concoct a plan to kill her husband, having sold him accident insurance. Um, they wait for the right opportunity to arrive. Um, this comes when the husband is going to get a train to his college reunion. He's getting the train because ideally they want him to get a train for the time to work, but he's broken his leg. So he he's going to board this train. Um, but before he gets the train, they kill him in his car. And it's actually Walter Neff, the insurance man, who boards the train. And he has his foot in a cast. But when the train is just leaving, he steps off the train. And then they put the body behind the train so it looks like the husband has fallen off. 
So they've committed this perfect murder. Um, and yeah, they think they're going to get away with it. But the insurance investigator at Neff's firm, um, Edward G. Robinson, he smells a rat. So you can't figure out what it is. Uh, so Phyllis, the wife, and Neff have to stay apart from each other and a sort of gradual distance emerges. Um, in the meantime, um, the dead man's daughter comes to Neff with some information and she thinks Phyllis has done committed the murder. The insurance investigator decides realizes that the thing that's bothering him is that if the victim had accident insurance, why didn't he claim for his broken leg? What's on your mind? That broken leg. The guy had a broken leg. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Dietrichson. He had accident insurance, didn't he? Yeah. Then he broke his leg, didn't he? So what? And he didn't put in a claim. Why didn't he put in a claim? Why? What are you driving at? Walter, I had dinner two hours ago. And it's stuck halfway. Little man of yours is acting up again, huh? There's something wrong with the Dietrichson case. Why, because he didn't file a claim? Maybe he just didn't have time. Maybe he just didn't know that he was insured. But there's something suspect. The, the walls start call, closing in around them. Um, Walter goes to Phyllis to go, he, he's going to kill her and frame some other guy. But when he gets there, Phyllis shoots him, but it ends up with her being killed. And Walter Neff drives to his office where he makes a full confession into the dictaphone machine. And at the end of it, looks up and the insurance investigator is still over him. Office memorandum. Walter Neff to Barton Keyes, claims manager. Los Angeles, July 16th, 1938. Dear Keyes, suppose you'll call this a confession when you hear it. Well, I don't like the word confession. I just want to set you right about something you couldn't see because it was smack up against your nose. You think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a wolf on a phony claim. Maybe you are. But let's take a look at that Dietrichson claim. Accident and double indemnity. You were pretty good in there for a while, Keyes. You said it wasn't an accident. Check. You said it wasn't suicide. Check. You said it was murder. Check. You thought you had a cold, didn't you? All wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons around it. It was perfect. Except it wasn't because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. When it came to picking the killer, you picked the wrong guy. You want to know who killed Dietrichson? Hold tight to that cheap cigar of yours, Keys. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff. Insurance salesman. 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a while ago, that is. Yes, I killed him. I killed him for money, and for a woman. And I didn't get the money, and I didn't get the woman. And it's all told in flashback, because yes. it starts yes. off. It has one of the most amazing beginnings. I love the, mm -hmm. the way the beginning has the car careening through the street, and you get that brief flash of light that says L.A. Department of Waterworks or whatever, so that oh, you know you're in says, L.A. It's even better than that. It's railway maintenance. Railway so maintenance. 
They're Ooh. fixing a problem that happened on the train, which that's is what so cool. he's he's going to do as well. I had not noticed that. Wow, that's then, good. Good yeah. eye. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And you know you're in LA. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, I mean, it's just such a great setup. And and the music, all of it is yes. has one of the, you know, one of the great Miklos Rosa, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, did the music, which is just fantastic. I always saw it, everybody. perfect you know for the for the story comes in at all the right moments you know makes you feel mm -hmm. something and um i think for me the thing that i noticed most more than any other time that i ever watched this was the animosity that's that's at kind of an undercurrent between uh keys and uh, neff in yeah. fact when you get to about the half about the half hour point neff is saying she had come to him, right? She had followed him and they had this yeah. idea, right? Yeah. So then he says, well, you know, if I'm honest with myself, really, I've been thinking this for years, you know, you know how yeah. invest insurance investigators are. We're always trying to cheat the system somehow, right? Yeah. It's like you a know? blackjack dealer looking at all the stuff that's coming in and knowing you can break the bank because all yeah. of a sudden he puts yeah, the hand yeah. down to you. Right. So now I'm seeing this movie in a whole different light. It's, it's less about the femme fatale, who is really more like a spark who who yes. she's like icing on the cake yeah the cake really is his ability to defeat keys <laughs> yeah to, to to kind of give him a comeuppance a little bit and say yeah. you thought you had this all figured out well you didn't and he says it at yeah. the very end i mean he basically yeah. literally says it well you thought you had it all neatly right wrapped up with pink uh, paper and a pink ribbon and all that yeah. kind of stuff tissue paper and a pink ribbon that you know that yeah. kind of thing so it's just really interesting to, to think about it in those terms in terms of the two men yeah uh, other than the woman and the man <laughs> being well that, i mean the last line of the film is i love you too yeah i love you too exactly. i love you too yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah there's this whole relationship between them it's almost like father and son in a sense yeah almost yeah. and yes. um you know, it, it's really interesting to just think about it in that, those terms, which I'd never really quite thought about before. Because yeah. you think of you think of um, your classic film, film noir setup of, well, you've got a stereotypical one, which is a kind of not too bright man meets this sexy femme fatale, and he's a bit of a dupe, and she manipulates him into doing what she wants. Mm -hmm. Neff doesn't need much manipulating. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's practically like they yeah. always fall in love in record time in movies. But my God, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like he's practically in love with her from the moment he sees her at the top of the stairs in that towel. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I kept thinking about that anklet. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's Hayes code for I kept thinking about what was under that towel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> anklet my ass, you know. <laughs> OK, but, you know. Yeah. 
So, and then of course they have that wonderful little banter, you know, there's a speed yeah. limit in this uh, state, blah, in blah, blah, state. blah. There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff, 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. Suppose you get down off your motorcycle and give me a ticket. Suppose I let you off with a warning this time. Suppose it doesn't take. Suppose I have to whack you over the knuckles. Suppose I bust out crying and put my head in your shoulder. Suppose you try putting it on my husband's shoulder. That tears it. Yeah. Which is very popular and everybody loves it and everybody always recites it. And But, you know, I got to be honest, I got kind of bored at parts with that because I've yes. seen this movie so many damn times. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, Raymond Chandler, yeah, you are a wordsmith, you know, and you kind of tell where the chant where Chandler wrote the lines because he wrote. Well, the, the you, say, I, I, you say that. I mean, I read the thing of of Billy Wilder being asked, you know, can you can you tell which of them? I mean, the two men did not get along, but you can try and work out, you know, you can tell which of the lines Chandler wrote. And Billy Wilder's pretty self-serving answer was. Once you get into the headset, the mindset, it becomes quite easy then to do Raymond Chandler lines. That's true. So some of the ones you point. would think of him are actually me, because I was thinking along Raymond Chandler lines. So, so in a sense, it was Chandler influenced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that, yeah. Because yeah. Billy Wilder is not, I mean, he, he was also witty, you know. He's yes. done other movies that have been witty and I think he'd be capable of it. Um, well, looking, so I've been sort of working my way through his filmography and I mean there aren't there aren't that I mean it's nothing else that we really, you know matches kind of a film noir setup. There's only really Ace in the Hole. That's just Sunset Boulevard to a certain extent, but Ace in the Hole is kind of one of the most hard boiled films you will ever see. Hmm. And that has a lot of the similar kind of dialogue. Ace in the Hole. Yes. What well, year is that? Circus, it might be also called as Kirk Douglas, and he's oh. a reporter huh. who who he he's a reporter down a big city reporter down with his luck in a small town in um, New Mexico, and he finds that there's a man trapped in a nearby mountain, and determines to keep him there for as long as possible to make the story go longer. He can come out sooner, but he sort of changes the rescue. So it's in longer, so the story lasts longer, and he gets his name in the press more. Hmm. So it's a very cynical. It's a film that followed Sunset Boulevard, but it's very cynical and very, very hard boiled. Interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that one. Yeah. One that's kind of cynical that's about the press that I like a lot is Sweet Smell of Success. Yes, yes. I just love Which that also, one. Yeah, also pretty doesn't fall in the film noir, but it's also incredibly hard boiled. Yes. When was the last time so. you saw um, Double Indemnity? Uh, I just watched it a couple of days ago. No, be, before that. Before that, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been, it's been several years, probably. Yes, because I haven't seen it probably in about 15 years. Huh, I've seen wow. it twice in the last two months. And it's, kind of, it's interesting when you come back to um, a work like this, looking at... Yeah, the, the things you don't remember about it. But, you mm -hmm. know, you can remember the broad strokes and the things you just don't remember. And so I had no recollection about the daughter at all. And, <laughs> and I watched it and I go, where's his daughter come from? And I think, I've seen it twice in recent weeks. I think the first time, I was, it really bothered me. Because it's like, 
Living is like the weakest part in that. Um, but her point of view as a character, her father has died in this accident stroke murder. And the only person she can seemingly go for sympathy about it is the man who sold her down an insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> Do she not have any friends or family? <laughs> well, I you guess... that she had a boyfriend. She must have some kind of social skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she did mention a name that she allegedly, yeah. a girlfriend that she's allegedly going to hang out with, which she doesn't, yeah. of course. But, you know... Yeah. Yeah, where is this other person and why isn't she talking to her? <laughs> <laughs> but I was watching it the second time. I think there was there's something quite clever about it. it I mean, I've read the book as well. And in the book, I've got to read the book. Ness or Huff, as he is in the book. His name is the much, <laughs> much you know, weirder sounding Huff. But um, <laughs> he's, he's Ness in the film. And in the book, he falls in love with her. And that's one of the things that's there. But in the film, it becomes, I think, almost like a father-daughter relationship to her. That hmm. he's not older than her anyway. But I don't think there's any romance. You know, he's the one who encourages her boyfriend to hear a hot-tempered boyfriend to give her a call. But he's kind of looking out for her. And it's kind of interesting because he is the one who's actually killed her father. Yes, he has literally yes. killed her father and is now kind of playing a father figure role with her. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is interesting. Um, mm. <clears throat> there was, it, still, uh, it, did, it did still take me out of it, but both times just thinking, what, what is this girl's life that she is the one she is the one he comes to? Well, she does, she does, I mean, she does label a kind of character point that he could have just let sit and that Phyllis has said earlier Phyllis Dietrichson has said earlier that she was the nurse for the first Mr Dietrichson's wife mm -hmm. she could have just let that sit there and just kind of it suggested she might not have been the best nurse for Mr Dietrichson's wife but <laughs> yeah the daughter Lola does actually just label it as yeah I think she killed her yeah yeah <laughs> He yeah. just out and says it, yeah. Yeah. What I think is interesting is that Neff didn't just leave and write a letter. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are you doing this? Why don't you just yeah. leave and write him a letter? Yeah. But then you wouldn't have a movie, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't have a movie. Even shot. I you wouldn't have the same movie, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Once the murders happen, you, you do have this perfect murder because it all goes wrong afterwards. Is how much is Neff's conscience playing on him? Yeah, I was wondering because we'll watch it. I was thinking after the first time I watched it recently. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's it's the daughter reawakens his his conscience. He sees, yeah, you know, what he's done. But I think there's nothing. You know, even even very close to the end. He's trying to figure out ways out of it. He's going to kill Phyllis and frame Nino for it. He's not exactly playing um playing someone who's guilt-ridden. But I was wondering, yeah, is I was thinking because watching the second time thinking, it could just be that Fred McMurray's performance is giving you the impression that there's a conscience. I'm not entirely sure the script is going, this man has had some kind of moral awakening. 
I feel mm. there may be some uh, almost playing against the material. And that there's a kind of desperation to the character in the way it's written that he's attempting to attempting to get out. And that you know he's going to do any way he can, but he plays it somewhat browbeaten. Of you know, mm-hmm. he's telling himself, I'm gonna get out at the same time as sort of a, a void screaming within him mm-hmm. about what he's actually now done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um yeah, I I had the feeling throughout that he was almost subconsciously trying to um, give himself away at yeah. times. I mean, he, he thinks through all the stuff that he has to do to make it look like he stayed in the whole night. But yeah. he, I even noticed when the guy broke his leg, I said, oh, he could file for insurance. He has accident insurance. And I thought, yes. wait a minute, he doesn't know he has accident insurance. Yes. <laughs> but if you don't... But don't file a claim. Won't that look weird? And yes. sure enough, it looked weird. So he kind of missed that. It's like it's like he should have thought about that. He should have yeah. thought about maybe filing a claim on his behalf and pretending it's him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like a little, they always miss something. And he missed yes. that big time. <laughs> Yes, well, uh, James Ann Cain also wrote to the Postman Lord Boys Rings twice. So it was a big theme of that is you miss it the first time round. Yes, yes. And get it the second, so you get it very much. <laughs> I've always hated that, too. It's like, <laughs> look, that, that one wasn't his fault, okay? Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But it's Hollywood and, and the Hayes Code, and they won't let yeah. you get away with, yeah. He can't get away with murder or whatever. Yeah. Well, no matter how, whatever, <laughs> how it happened. <laughs> he's not a good person. So, anyway. No, he's not a good person. Neither of them are good people. No, they're not good people. I mean, no. Fred McMurray. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, when you grow up uh, watching television when I did, I my first exposure to Fred McMurray was my three sons. So he was Mr. Nice Guy in my eyes. And then I started seeing him in all these old movies, Double Indemnity, um, the other one with Billy Wilder. Um, the Apartment. The Apartment, yeah. Yeah. It was a real sleaze. I mean, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I mean, it was just really interesting. It's really interesting watching some of these people in old movies that I got to know through television because. Yeah, they play parts that are so different sometimes from the parts I saw them on in, on TV. Yeah, well, no, I mean, we may have had my three sons in this country, but it would have be I, I, well, certainly wasn't on when I was a child. But, I was going to uh, say, I don't know. Yeah, you, yeah, it was a yes, a big thing here. I mean, it was a, yeah. a show. It was a show. It was around for a while, I guess. Yeah, to be honest, I can't remember how many years it was around or how well it did. I just yes. remember watching it. <laughs> All, I mean, he, he's very good in this. He is very good. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he, all th- all three of the leads are very are very good. I am a huge fan of Barbara Stanwyck. I will say that. I, yes. I, I love yes. her in everything I've ever seen her in. Yes. What do you think of? I mean, I I I, I it might be just me not paying enough attention, but I hadn't clocked that was a wig. Um, but I read. I read that Billy Wilder got 75% into shooting it and decided the wig was terrible and then was too far into it to do anything about it now. 
oh my, my hand gosh. actually clogged, but that was. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm sure this happens all the time. They probably use wigs all the time for hairstyles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a particularly egregious example if you look at it and go, yeah. What, what a bizarre haircut. Once <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know that, you can kind of look at it and go, it is a bit white and poodle like now I come it to is. think of it. But, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah. Of course, back then, you know, in movies, sometimes you'd see them wear the most outrageous hats, too. Yes. It's like, yeah. good grief, look at that hat. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost taller than she is. Or, you know, how many ostrich feathers do you need? <laughs> yes. Stuff like that. <laughs> a brim out to here, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some of the hats you see in these old movies. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but this is still, I mean, it's still quite a good movie. I mean, it's one of those movies that I think younger people, I wonder if younger people, how pe younger people respond to it. Because there's a lot in there that's not politically real correct, you know. And and you know people could, might notice it and go, you know, but I don't yeah. think it's as egregious as say parts of well, let's say Birth of a Nation. That's egregious. Yeah. 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 That's an. I mean, you are reaching movie. for a really far out example. Like, <laughs> I am reaching for a far out problematic art. Yeah. That, yeah. Or some of the some of the more stereotypical stuff from say the Three Stooges. I don't know if you guys get the Three Stooges yeah. there, but yeah. yeah. Stuff like that, you know, it's, it's like, it's, I think people can still relate with this movie at some level or enjoy it at some level, despite whatever failings it has due to its, um, due to the time that it was made. Yes, and the, I mean, the, the time times it was made, I mean, it, it, I can see why it would be harder for a younger audience in that um, there's certainly in the sexual stuff, there's nothing over, there's nothing overt in there. There couldn't be anything overt, but that possibly works in its advantage. And, you know, I think, I think body heat is, is explicitly based on double indemnity. Yeah, but it's not right about that. Yeah, body heat isn't a film I'm particularly warm to. I mean, yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's fine. I'd rather watch double indemnity than I would body heat, which is a mm. lot more explicit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing, you know, movies back then weren't as explicit as they are today, and I think yeah. in that way they were better, to be honest. Well, they couldn't be, and that, that meant that there had to be a certain cleverness to get around what, you know, to get creative. across what you wanted to say mm -hmm. in a very constricted way. So, you know, maybe that's the thing you say about the anklet. Oh, that then becomes a kind of, you know, symbol for not only her nudity but her availability that she has this anklet on mm -hmm. yeah 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 so yeah i i think those kind of uh constraints sort of challenge the filmmaker to convey a sense of sexuality without her throwing her clothes off that kind of thing. yeah 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 yeah, so it, you know, it, she, yeah, she is a good enough and vibrant enough screen presence to kind of give off that sex appeal 
anyway. I mean, it, it's pretty noticeable that, I mean, another, another reason why it seems more like a father-daughter relationship with Neff and Lola is that Lola is always very buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, compared to Phyllis, she's always very buttoned up. And prim and proper. And the first time you see Phyllis, she's just in a towel. Yes. Or then she's there extending her legs towards Neff and... Yes. Yeah, you know, they have their kind of charged dialogue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the other one we haven't mentioned particularly is, is Edward G. Robinson. I get out of here before I throw my desk at you. Uh-huh. He kind of has, yeah, he, he kind of has the kind of more showmanic performance. And he gets to do, yeah, big speeches while waving his hands and I love making dramatic points. This is probably my favorite movie with him. Yeah. Because I just love the, this character so much. He's he's so suspicious of everyone. He has his uh, fiance checked out. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's a funny stretch of dialogue, that. <laughs> she dyed her hair. Uh, yeah. She had manic depression in the family. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so there is, there is, when you say that, you know, his relationship between him and Neff, and there is, there is that kind of, yeah, he's getting one over on keys. Exactly. But I mean, they do, he does tell him, but he loves him earlier in the film as well. There is that mm-hmm. kind of... They are two bachelors. Mm-hmm. Come on, Walter. Next time I'll rent a tuxedo. Who have this kind of, I know, friendship stroke rivalry. Sort of but a also mentor mentee. <laughs> <laughs> a bromance of sorts. <laughs> a bromance of sorts, yes. I don't think we are supposed to read it. Like, I can't, well, he wouldn't from a 1943 film read anything sexual into it. <laughs> no, no. no, no. There's nothing sexual in it. No. No, no it's purely, um, purely uh, like a little competition or a, a a challenge that um well they might yes. work in much the same way in that they both I mean Edward G. Robinson is always looking for scams and things to pull over but you know Neff has come at it from a different angle he's also looking for scams but ones he wants to commit them he can actually do <laughs> yes <laughs> he's trying to outwit the guy who's looking for the scams yes yeah so yeah that's kind of the engine that drives this thing. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. With Phyllis sort of feeding the fire, as it were. Yeah, you're right. Phyllis is kind of the spark. The yeah. Neff does, yeah, well, Neff doesn't need much in the way of encouragement. Yeah. It's a a pretty woman getting her eyelids at him is almost enough for him to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other so I suppose we don't We've done most of the characters. The only one, I mean, so, so yeah, a problem with the daughter. The the other character, the other character, is almost a bit bizarre. Is her boyfriend Nino? Yeah, who is almost comically aggressive, <laughs> <laughs> weirdly out there as an aggressive character. Yeah, so you can do better than this guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real jerk. <laughs> yeah. So I say it's a kind of almost a paternalistic relationship for 
mess at the end, but really you're setting him up with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem very um nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, go to him, go to him, or go to yeah. her, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, call this number. She'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Operators are standing by. Yeah. Um, just so you know, we have about eight minutes and change before yes, yes. Zoom cuts us off. Yes. Um, yeah, he's he's an interesting character, that Nino. Uh he he's not much of an alternative, but by God, you know, hmm. at least he hasn't killed anybody. <laughs> no, no. And no, hopefully, so... either he'll calm down, or she'll come to her senses and realize <laughs> this guy isn't for me. Yes, <laughs> but she's a better better to go to him than hang out with Phyllis. That's for sure. Or you know, <laughs> with Neff, Neff is like you said, more like a a mentor figure to her. Like yeah. a father figure. Yes. Yeah. In the in the book, he does properly fall in love with her. Huh. Although the last the last third of the book is all over the place. Wow. It, I have to yeah. check this book out. Yeah, it really is. It's it's much what is in the film for the first two thirds, and then it just goes nuts. Interesting. Yeah. But it's just like the you know, one of the reasons Nino has been dating the daughter is that. Nino's father was a doctor and Phyllis had been a nurse for this doctor. But oh Phyllis had God. killed six babies and the doctor had <laughs> got the blame and one of the babies dying. And oh Phyllis my... got financial reward. And it's kind oh of like, my God. We have, we have tipped into serial killer territory without anyone noticing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's really interesting how they didn't include that in the movie because really that would have taken, that would just have spun the, yeah. whole, the movie off into all different directions it didn't need yes. to go yes it's just it's, it's a kind of weird i mean about a years ago that after after when they were writing the film and maybe shannon and james m king knew each other because they were both in a crime writer society so Raymond Chandler would write James M. Cain long letters about the flaws he'd made in the book of Double Indemnity. And James Cain was just took them with good grace. And then when they finished making the film, James M. Cain thought, well, that would be enough for the letters. But Raymond Chandler moved on to his other books, not writing the scripts for them, but just going through them and writing letters to James M. Cain to tell him how all the mistakes he'd made in Mildred Pierce and the post would always ring twice. And... Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. He'd be like a challenging friend to have, Raymond Chandler. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's really something, considering he couldn't sit, tell them who killed the chauffeur in the big yes, sleep. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Point, do, you, do, but... you, do you know that Raymond Chandler is in this? Yes, yeah, he's the yes. guy sitting on that bench. Yeah, he has that yes. cameo appearance. He actually looks up as uh, Walter Neff's yeah. walking by. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was probably the thrill of his lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't give me the impression of a man who enjoyed much. <laughs> he, he just sits well, there. Yeah. yeah, he comes across as something of a curmudgeon. He does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he has a great sense of humor and a great sense of style as far as language goes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so we all, we, we, I mean, I did, I did wonder whether to, 
And I was thinking about the daughter thing, so I'd put it in the category of flawed masterpiece, but I think I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd actually fall in the category of actual masterpiece. Hmm. What would you say? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of a, a quintessential film noir here. You know, yeah. one of the um one of the biggies, one of the most representative of what film noir is. Yeah. I mean, it has a little bit of everything. It's got the the femme fatale, it's got the cinematography, mm -hmm. the voiceovers. Yeah. It, it's really it, it's really a great example of film noir. Um, so I'm glad we decided to talk about it. Yeah, it's a good one to start with. It is, yeah. Yeah. An excellent one to start with. Yes. So next month we'll do another one. Yes, no, no. Out of the past, maybe. Out of the past would be great. I love that yeah. movie so much. Robert yeah. Mitchum is so good in that movie. Everybody was doing that so strange thing with a coin on his fingers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's 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 just a great, great movie. Yeah. So full of little twists and stuff, and yes, and, and Mitchum, who was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchum was just awesome. He was, yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm glad we had oh. this discussion. Yes, it's been it's been fun. So we'll uh, see see you in uh, a month then. See you in a month, yes. <laughs>